to play in the Super Bowl against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Turn handle in left side. Finds a little bit of a hole, keeps his leg moving. He's across the 40, midfield, 45, he's on the run winch. 40, pushes the man, 35, look at him go. He's down to 20, 15, he could go. He is going to go. Touchdown, Seahawks. Oh, my word. A 67-yard run. Marshawn Lynch, unbelievable. The beast is alive and well. Wide receivers to either side. Russell takes the snap. He drops back. He's going to throw down the middle. He's got a man. Come on. It has been decided, maybe since the safety in the first quarter. 12, they're bringing the trophy home. Your Seahawks, Super Bowl 48 champion. Ladies and gentlemen, Seahawks and football fans everywhere, a very warm welcome back to the We Talk Seahawks podcast. I hope you're all doing well. Um, Tonight we are starting to shift focus. We're heading towards the draft now, and that is what our focus is going to be um, for the remainder of the month and for the next few weeks. It's going to be all about the draft here, really, um, with some fun little pods thrown in here and there. Um, where else do we start? With a simple rundown of position by position um, of of all of our potential prospects and, and picks. Uh, for the upcoming 2023 draft. That's what we're going to be doing tonight. We're going to be running through some of our favourite players per position, um, some of the best scheme fits that we think could potentially uh, be interested in the Seahawks. Um, and there's some of our sleeper picks as well. Some of the guys that may be going under the radar, not being talked about a little bit, that we feel need a bit more airtime. But as always, I can't do it without Mr Positive himself. Pez, how are you, mate? I'm good, mate. I'm good. Good. good to be back. Missed last week. But... You did. Really? You're here now. That's all that matters. Um, you missed Bobby coming back. You missed you missed the podcast about Bobby coming back. Yeah, I know, I know, but we had to react, didn't we? Quick, and I was busy, so unfortunately, couldn't uh, rant about him taking my man's spot. Oh, I knew you'd take that approach. I knew you'd take that approach. And I know <laughs> I'm you've only got joking, his jersey on. You I know you've got his jersey on under that jumper as well. No, no, I, I wore it to the gym. Oh, you've wore it to the gym. Before, oh, so right. I, yeah, I had to get a quick shower before we uh, recorded. Oh, good lad. Um, and tonight, no Josh, unfortunately, but we have hired a last-minute recruitment from our Discord server. Um, as you know, we, we do have a Discord server um, that you're more than welcome to join. It is our pinned tweet on Twitter. Just hit the link and join. Um, and one of our lovely members in the Discord is a lad called Mitch, um, and he's put together a massive big draft big board for us in the Discord recently over the past week or so. Um, we're going we're gonna to dive into that in future pods as well because there's loads of cool analytics and data and trends coming out of that. Um, basically a big consensus of what all of our Discord members who we'd like to pick at certain certain picks, certain position groups. Um, so it's a really interesting look and we're definitely going to dive deep into that in the coming weeks. Um, but tonight 
we've got Mitch in um, to talk about some of his favourite players, some of the best scheme fits, some of the best sleepers, and talk all things draft with our little resident draft expert, Mitch. That's what I'm going to call you from now on. Um, but Mitch, how are you, mate? Yeah, very good. Thanks for having me on. Um, long time listener, so it's an honour to be here with you, gents. Um, sad Josh couldn't be here, but uh, hopefully uh, you don't ban me after tonight and I can uh, come on with him on a future future pod. Um, and yeah, just um, I'm glad that you love the, the things I've done within the Discord to try and, try and get everyone sort of engaged and involved. Um, lots of individual mocks and things being posted. And I thought thought doing a big board and getting all of our consensus and, and trends all logged into one one spot so we can pick a few stats and statistics out would be a, a good plan. So I'm glad you guys have received it well and look forward to talking about it with you. Yeah, like like I say, it's it's a really cool thing. Um and I know we're all very grateful for you doing that. Um so it's it's definitely gonna be fun diving into that in the in the future weeks. Yeah, can't wait. Don't don't worry Mitch as well. I've not been cancelled yet, so uh <laughs> We've set a low bar, I see. Set a low bar. And to be fair, I have printed out a few P45s, as Pez knows, so they are ready to go on my desk whenever I feel the need to sign one off, you know. Snap one off. He has has threatened a couple of times, but he couldn't do it it without me, so. Like I said, I'm a long-term listener, so I've seen the rants and uh, I've seen how uh, close you get to the line there, Pez. That's what I liked about the pod. Oh, he's crossed the line many weeks ago, but what can we do, eh? We're stuck with him now. Um, I think I crossed it the f- very first one we did. Yeah, I think you probably did, Pez, yes, wearing in your van on your way home, yeah. Um, set, set his stall out early. Like set it. his stall out early, yeah. Um, but before we get into the main crux of the pod tonight, Mitch, um, do you want to take a couple of minutes just to introduce yourself, maybe how you came to support the Seahawks and stuff like that? Yeah, yeah, sure. So, I mean, I'm I'm uh, Worcester born and bred, so UK like you guys, but a bit a bit south of you. Um, Seahawks fan for maybe uh, seven or eight years, um, and unlikely uh, beginning to my my sort of tenure as a as a Seahawks fan. I I started supporting the night we lost on the one yard line, and Marshawn Lynch didn't get the ball. Um, sorry to bring it up for everyone who is obviously still hurting um but yeah no that night i was supposed to watch the game with friends at a draft party and support the team from that point onwards that won but um marshawn lynch was uh, an irresistible prospect to keep watching so um from that point onwards i was sold as a seahawk and um and here we are i mean i, I would be interested it's, it, it's a really cool story in terms of i love the way that you went out for the complete other reason and came back, for, you know, supporting the Seahawks for a completely different reason as to why your friends and that got you out for that reason. Um, but it, it, I wonder how many people have it been inspired to follow the Seahawks for Marshall Lynch, because I'm sure he's one of those big characters in that era that attracted so many people and so many eyes to the area of Seattle. So it's interesting to see that you were kind of one of them people that, that got hooked by, by Marshall yeah. and his, his, his larger than life character. Interestingly, something something that happened this season um, when we played in Germany against the Buccaneers. Again, sorry to bring up another sore spot. Um, they said that there were loads of Seahawks fans in Germany because uh, I believe the German TV rights they got they got um, the rights to show the NFL in Germany during the Legion of Boom, Marshawn Lynch era, and. The, the team one of the teams they really connected with was the was Seattle because of that that era of mm. defensive football you know attritional football pounding the rock um having that x-factor guy with you know um and of course a young Russell Wilson so 
the same sort of period that when I heard that about Germany, I thought, you know, I can really relate with that because that's kind of my story too. My first exposure to the NFL really was Legion of Boom, Marshawn Lynch, and it hooked me despite the loss. So, mm. yeah, it's it's not a story that's unique to me. I think. No, yes, it's 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 a really cool, interesting look into into how different people. I mean, us in the UK, we all have different ways and different reasons as to why we support our teams. All different wacky reasons. Mine was purely just watching on YouTube and 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 stumbling across highlights of games and being hooked from from there because my lucky number has always been twelve since I was a kid. I don't know why. Um, so then I found out, you know, the, the the distinction between the fans and 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 the number twelve in Seattle, and that just felt like faith. Um, I know Pez went to a game in the uh, in the mid two thousands, I think, with his brother, um, and was hooked ever since then as well. So it's it's really interesting all the different stories from us UK fans that we all have different weird and quirky stories as to how we came to follow the Seahawks, and and who knows. There might be another Marshawn Lynch in this draft class to maybe inspire the next generation of Seahawks fans, which I'm sure we'll we'll get to tonight as well. Um, For sure. But uh, we've already got him. We've already got him. <laughs> I like that idea. I like that take. Don't, don't mess. I'm presuming you mean DJ Dallas, don't you? Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, sorry, it's not Ken Walker, no. No, D- DJ gets better year by year, as you well know, Mitch. I've got a good rant, but he does. He just develops year by year. So next year he's going to be even better. Only on the We Talk Seahawks podcast do we do a draft episode and we haven't even started and we're talking about DJ Dallas. But there you go. You baited me. You baited me. I did me bait you. We cater for everyone, Pez. We cater for everyone. Um, well, let's get started then with the signal callers, the quarterback positions. Um, this is probably the most talked about position group for the Seahawks at the minute because of one prospect more than most, I would say, and that's probably Anthony Richardson, um, purely because Pete Carroll seems to have cozied up with him and, and, and seems to be really chatty with him at the Combine and at his pro day and stuff like that. seems like they've formed a bit of a bond and a bit of a tight-knit relationship there. Um, so obviously the links have started to fly and Anthony Richardson's stock's gone up through the roof since the Combine. Um, he is one of my favourite players in the class to purely look at and, and get excited about for the future with his potential. Um, Pez, it, it, is he one of your favourite players? Do you think he's potentially... Would, would we take him at five, do you think, if he was there? Yeah. You do? I do, because for me, I'm, uh, just to start with, I'm really weird. This Going into this draft, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling a bit different. Like Normally, I repeat ramps, as everyone who listens will know. But I said it at the start of free agency that if they attack free agency and don't do what they normally do, that will tell me that John and Pete truly believe that they actually have a team that could be ready to properly compete. Not this get to just scrape the playoffs, one game done, but we can say we, we always make the playoffs. Genuinely make an actual run. And they did that the first day. And it's got me, I've not been optimistic for many years now, but I don't know this season, I'm quite optimistic about it. And I can't get past the fact that Pete Carroll is essentially stuck in his ways. If he can recreate what he did when he first came to Seattle, I really think he'd go for it. And for me, do you know what's even better than recreating what he did? was getting a Russell Wilson-esque player 
on steroids. <laughs> you're getting you're getting Russell Wilson at more like just off the charts athletic. Mm. So all that scrambling Russ did when in, in his early years, can you imagine what Pete could do with Anthony Richardson? And even better, and it is, it is what everyone says, everyone's been saying it, but I think they are true. Anthony Richardson really would, the best place, in my opinion, for him to come is Seattle. Because the one thing, Geno Smith, for all my criticism, what I had over some of Geno's stuff last year is, one thing you can't knock about Geno Smith is he is really solid at the basics. Mm. And I believe, watching Anthony Richardson, he needs, he needs to sit a year and learn of someone who is really good at the basics. He can run, he can skip, he can jump, he can do all them fancy, like, you know, scrambling things he wants. But mm -hmm. one thing I think he struggles with the most is just the basics. And who better, really, in my opinion, I think Gino, he had in the day, he's been a number two all his career. Mm -hmm. He sat behind, say, very, say what you want about Russ, but he sat behind Russ. And he's clearly learned and picked up things. Like, I just, I just, if I was Anthony Richardson, I'd probably want to come to Seattle, even though he probably would want to start. Mm. If he's truly honest to himself, knowing his, what he needs to get better at, I think it would be a perfect landing spot for him. It's interesting. I mean, I think there's, there's an interesting point that you brought up there about obviously you, you think Seattle might be in the mode of win now kind of mode in terms of the fact that the rest of the team, you know, with the rest of the draft and the free agent signers, that they might be ready to compete deep into the playoffs now. Um, I'll, I'll bring this on to you, Mitch. Do you think then, because obviously five is such a valuable pick, we don't pick at this spot practically ever really in recent times. Um, do you think it would be viewed by some people maybe and, and maybe by the Seahawks then as maybe not a bit of a waste of a pick, but if you're going to win now and after paying Gino all that money, that three-year contract, would it would it make that much sense to, to to draft a quarterback rather than maybe a top defensive line prospect maybe here? I don't know. Um, I look at it differently to Pez. However, what I will say is a lot of the stuff that Pez has said there, I completely agree with as well. Like, I do think that Richardson needs someone to sit behind who, um, who we can look at and and you know that covers the weaknesses that he has. When I watch Richardson, he, he's got a he's got an unbelievable arm, mm. hitting hitting deep hitting the deep ball, unreal. Um, there's always the threat of his legs. He's one of the most athletic, if not the most athletic, quarterbacks I've ever seen. Mm. Like frightening. Um, what he doesn't do from watching him he's very rarely getting into a rhythm when you watch um uh, wilson on two minute offense how many times did we see wilson just just march the ball up the field with two minutes left and sit there confidently thinking we're four points behind here we've got two minutes russell wilson's got the ball we're going to do this and it happened game after game he gets in a rhythm he hits he hits a range of passes always a threat of the deep ball wilson did that great gino did that too you know he he, he checked the ball down to tight ends he you know he he took safe passes. The reason he had such a high completion percentage last year was because he didn't get sort of overexcited and throw too many deep balls. He balanced it really well, kept a good sort of rhythm. Richardson doesn't have that. Richardson mm. is big chunk plays, big flashy stuff, inconsistency, risky pass, interception. He'll get four touchdowns in a game, but he'll ruin drives with uh, wayward passing and not taking an easy option that's there. So 
Pez's point of needs a good player to sit behind that covers his weaknesses, absolutely bang on. Agree with Pez. Your question was, do we do we risk a fifth pick on him when we're looking like we're trying to approach this as a win now mode? Does spending our most valuable pick in the draft on someone who's not going to feature this year tie into winning now? Obviously not. So my take would be trade back if possible. Take Wilson if he's there. Sorry, uh, Will Anderson if he's there. Trade back if not. Look to to pick up someone um, as a project quarterback. Someone like Hendon Hooker, who again needs... um, a year to recovery. It's ACL, ACL tear, right? Mm-hmm. So we're looking at a year there, but we haven't wasted a, a, a fifth round, a fifth pick on it, right? We've we've got a guy there who's going to recuperate, got some talent. Again, dual threat, really good with his legs, Hooker. Um, really came on um, last year as a dual threat quarterback. So pick a guy like that with a with less capital spent. Trade back from the fifth. Pick up some second and third round stuff because my take on this draft for the Seahawks is we redesigned the roster last year with some really solid picks. Amazing cornerback, uh, um, amazing running back, two solid bookends at, at tackle. You know, you look at that, the framework of that draft has revamped us. This year, we've got so much capital to build depth around it, get a second running back for for, for Walker, build on that in middle of the offensive line, um, get a get a uh, third wide receiver, you know, that's what I want to see in this draft. Not not a fifth pick on on a quarterback that won't feature. That's my take. I just say, listening to that, um, whilst we're on the quarterbacks, I have seen people talk about Hendon Hooker, and I think he is being because of the injury. He's probably mm. being um, slept on quite a bit. Yeah. But I think the thing for me and the thing, someone could get a real steal because the NFL have these weird little. They have these weird things. Like what's what's the word for it? Like it's like rituals. Like they stick by them by law. I know what he's you mean. Twenty five. He's twenty five. He's untouchable. So a year out, he's twenty six. It's like yeah. that's that's a no go. So I honestly believe he'll he'll drop even further than where he's even being projected and where people think he'll go because teams, when it comes to it, they'll they'll just get so scared of the age because of these. It's like sheep mentality. It's like years and years ago, these metrics measured players and no one can break them. And that's my point with what I was going to say about the fifth overall pick. Mm. Why, why, why not take a quarterback? What, why, why not do it? Why not let him sit? It, like pe- people, I, I, like James said earlier, I was busy trying to sort my son out. Um, <laughs> And you've seen it, but um, I've been watching since 2010, and through my experience of watching it, and as you will know, Mitch, I like to speak from outside of the box mm. on a lot of things. Is draft capital means shit? <laughs> we 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 got Rashad Penny in the first round. We got Chris Carson in the seventh, and Chris Carson. Like, maybe potential and ability, Penny was better. Chris Carson was... Seventh round. He, he should have been the first round, and Penny should have been the seventh round, the way them two worked out. Yeah. It's like, it, it it, just, in my opinion, it just doesn't matter, but that's another metric. It's, oh, well, if you're picking this or you're picking that, then he's a bust, or he's this, or he's that. It's like... 
I'll double down actually. I'll double down on on what you said. I'll I'll argue against myself here. You mentioned Hendon Hooker's age, right? You got the age. You've got the the injury. Two ACL tears in a, a college career is a huge red flag, right? Mm. So you've got the age, and you've got you've got the the ACL sprains or the ACL tears, sorry. But the thing that is really interesting there, like you say about rituals and and things within, you know, this, this kind of sheep mentality of just following uh, a consensus among um, the franchises. People are scared of dual dual threat quarterbacks and high and high picks. Uh, especially with the age, because there's this belief that our oh, dual, dual threat quarterback, he's going to use his legs. And when he gets to 30, 32, and he loses that, that yard of pace that goes and you spent all of that draft capital on a guy so he could run and throw, and then suddenly he can't run, you know, now he's looking like a fifth round pick rather than first, because you can't run anymore. So you're right. The age, the injuries and, um, and the, the sort of patterns of behavior from franchises completely turn people off Hendon Hooker. But that then ties mm. into the point that you could potentially pick him up as a steal um, and have him for three or four years on a rookie contract um, and possibly take over from Gino just as a short term thing on a low budget. So, yeah, it's it's really interesting because look, I, I would love Anthony Richardson purely because of the potential. And as we're talking about Hendon Hooker, I actually think Hendon Hooker out of these quarterbacks is probably arguably the best scheme fit for Seattle with his dual threat ability, with his accuracy. I think Pete and John will be drooling over that, um, as opposed to obviously Young, Stroud, you know, Levis is probably the closest next one to the, to the scheme fit that Seattle would probably want. Um, and then goes and to the Colts. It will go to the Colts, yes, I would imagine. Um, but it, it, it is so tough. And, and, and as we've been saying in previous podcasts, I don't think any of us have a clue really what the Seahawks are going to do here. Um, with, with, there's just as much of a chance as we take Richardson as there is Anderson, as there is Wilson. As I, I just I haven't got a clue. But for me, as I've said, if we're in win now, then does it make sense burning a fifth round pick on Anthony Richardson right now? I, um, the whole win now, the win now mode, like I wouldn't say we're in win now mode. Because we haven't, we haven't, as the phrase would go, we've not maxed all the credit cards out. We've not done a Rams. We've not done a 49ers. Like, we, we, we're not we're not in that dire straits where we have to win. Like, in my opinion, win now mode is we are fucked in two years if we do not, if we do not get that Super Bowl in our bank. Like the Rams, they got their Super Bowl. They paid for it. The books, they got their Super Bowl. Now they're going to suffer. The Rams... They'll probably find a way around it because they're dodgy as hell. And the league will probably just let them do some dodgy shit and get away with it. But they're screwed. The Bucks are screwed. The Niners next year are screwed. Like, we're not there. So we're not technically in win-now mode. We're in... We're, we're in the... We're in limbo land. We're between. We're not in a rebuild. We're not in. We're not in win now. We are in between. I, I, I wouldn't say. I wouldn't say we're uh, in limbo either. Like my point, what I said before about how if they attack that free agency, it makes me believe they think they've got the team. Yeah. When we when, when we won the Super Bowl and went straight back, we we didn't sell everything to get that. We got really lucky because we had a lot of our players on rookie deals still, and look what he look what they've done with the team now. Mm. All our key players are on rookie deals. Mm. You know what I mean? 
it's interesting you mentioned that as well because i mean that was the the birth of that was two back-to-back um drafts wasn't it it was two it was two draft classes where you know it's the earl thomas the earl thomas is the the, the shermans yeah and you know there was they were, they were deep classes as well there was loads of contributors all through both of those if 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 this draft class looks anything like the last one for us next year next year you know 2025 i think we are a force a real force i'm not saying no while james i'll call it now that if we hit this as we in the in our discord as we all speak we're all humming around the same players we're all humming around the like we're all pretty much in consensus with each other yeah. we're and you sit back and you look at it and you go, right, we're talking about picks here now and the value of picks. But I honestly look through it, and I'm no expert. I'm no analyst. I'm no genius when it comes to any of this stuff. I'm not technical. But I just, what I read when I look at these players, and I just think, he's meant to be going in the fifth or sixth round, but I could genuinely see Pete and John getting him. And everyone's scratching their head next year going, who's this guy? Mm-hmm. Like, that's how deep this class is in the needs, what, like, in oppositional needs. That's why yeah. I, I can't actually, I can't actually see how they can mess this up. Well, <laughs> famous last words tr- there. Yes. I've got, I've got a good idea when we get onto a certain positional group. All right. I'll throw your way. But, um, just to transition onto this, because I've not really looked at these quarterbacks, but I'm guessing you two have. Mm-hmm. I've looked so at a few of them. I'm, I'm going to just chuck over to you. Who do you reckon out of all the quarterbacks up and down the draft? Who do you reckon one is Seattle's like perfect fit, and two, who do you reckon could be a real sleeper? Because except Ooh. for Stenson Bennett, I don't know. <laughs> don't don't bring that name on this podcast. Um, I did it for Josh. I did it for Josh because well, well I hope you're know. happy with yourself. Um, for me, as I said, I think the best scheme fit is arguably, in my opinion, Hendon Hooker. Um, I think the sleeper maybe is Aidan O'Connell out of Purdue. I think if you could get him in the fifth or sixth, even if he falls, I don't think he'll fall at the seventh. But I think if you could get him fifth or sixth round. Um, Again, the only problem I have with this is we've paid Drew Lock $4 million to be our backup. It doesn't really make a lot of sense to say. Sorry just to butt in, but it's not actually as... When I looked at the breakdown, he has to actually... I think it's like his, his salary he earns is like $2 million, and the rest of his contract is literally mm. made up of incentives. Well, essentially, unless Gino gets injured, he's never gonna, he's never going to meet. It's essentially like a two, yeah. three million uh, dollar deal. Yeah. With a load of just padded incentives to make it seven. Mm. Yeah, it's a yeah. fair, like I say, it's a fair point. Um, I, but for me, yeah, I, I would say scheme fit wise, hooker, sleeper, or cotton, or cotton, I would go with. So just uh, quick, Mitch. just briefly then, why or cotton? Just because, for me O'Connell? anyway, because I've not looked at any of these quarterbacks, just because I think if we don't like Andy Richardson, I'm not really that interested. 
Uh, I think the size is 6'3", um, fairly accurate for for what he's going to be as a fifth, sixth round pick, as a late day three pick. I think the accuracy is as good as you'll find in terms of a quarterback taken in those kind of rounds. Um, he's not a massive scrambler. I think he can scramble, but I don't think he's excellent at it. Um, but I just think he's got quite a good QB rating through his career. I think there's tangibles and stuff that Pete and John will look at in a late round quarterback to say, do you know what? He could be out Drew lock. He could potentially have some, you know, like a Bailey Zappi for the Patriots kind of thing. Something, something like that. Someone who could potentially step in as a starter if you needed him to. Um, but yeah, that that that's that that would be my pick. I don't know about you, Mitch. Um, the Hendon Hooker thing, I have to agree with. I mean, I mentioned it before. I, I don't want to be boring. I mean, I want a podcast here. I should choose someone else just for the sake of variation. But I do genuinely You've got believe. To, Mitch. <laughs> have, I, have I got to? No, I'm going to. You say, have I'm, to I'm, choose someone else. I'm sorry to disappoint you, Pets. What I'll do, I'm going to say Hendon Hooker, but then I'm going to talk a fair bit about my sleeper because I really am passionate about All it. Right. So I'm going to go. Hendon, Hendon Hooker is just a brilliant scheme fit, despite the age, the injuries. Um, he's got he's got a brilliant arm. He's really improved his. Um, his his uh, his throwing ability last last season, um, his legs and his athleticism were all always there, right? But he's really added a lot a lot to his all round game. So Hendon Hooker for me, perfect fit for the Seahawks. Sleeper Max Duggan, and I don't know, I don't know, have I upset you? <laughs> Not upset me. Um, no. I'll let Saw you that reaction. The floor's yours. <laughs> okay, okay. Don't, so don't worry about you. that, Mitch. Don't worry okay. about that. We love upsetting James. Okay, good. Um, Max Duggan from TCU last year, like his college overachieved, right? You look at how deep they went, um, you know, in the championship and the teams they were playing and competing with, they were outgunned in all of them, in all of those games, right? And Max Duggan dragged his team game after game after game, not through necessarily talent, not through ability, uh, through this sort of intangible force of will like he one of those games i can't remember which one it is so forgive me it might have been lsu um they had a big come i believe it was a big comeback right the guy was bleeding <laughs> he had he had he had he had cuts on his arms he had uh he had a cut on his face i think the, the guy was was charging through like third or fourth and 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 short just give me the ball i'm going you know every time sheer force of will that guy has that intangible just desire to win and i think someone will pick him up cheap they'll get him real late he'll be a second or third string quarterback and i think at some point he'll get the opportunity to play and he will show not the best arm talent not the best ability with his legs he will just win you games that you do not expect to win because he never gives up i love max duggan for that not a seahawk necessarily but whoever he plays for They'll get they'll get a third string quarterback, second string quarterback that does not give up. Sounds like he can play people. So, you know, <laughs> hey, 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 he's back. Yeah, you make good points. He is a good character. The, the TCU <laughs> teammates loved him. Um, but for me, I just think Pete. I think the thing that Pete loves anything more than any kind of quarterback prospect is what we've said basically with Hendon Hooker and stuff like that. And what you've kind of said about Gino and Anthony Richardson, Mitch, is that consistency um, in terms of just like errors and decision-making. I think too many times for me, from what I saw it from, from Max Duggan this year, um, 
was his his the picks and and the lack of a bit sort of erratic with the football at times. His decision making for me isn't what I would want, um, but. I can see the potential upside and the leadership in terms of if you can get him in the sixth, seventh round, which is probably where he's going to go. I don't think he'll go undrafted. Um, I, I could see, I could see the reasons for why we would potentially be interested in maybe taking him as a developmental prospect. Um, certainly, would be a good locker room guy. So I'll give you, I'll give you the uh, the point on that. Um, let's get to the running backs then, um, because. As for all the memes and for all the sort of, um, oh, Seattle's guaranteed to take a running back in round one. That's just what we always do. Um, I don't think that's going to happen this year, um, as much as Pez is manifesting Bijan Robinson at five. Um, but <laughs> I'm don't joking. put that on me. Don't I'm put joking, that on me. Pez. I'm joking. 20. Sorry, I meant uh, not five, I meant 20. Um, no, I'm not even doing that. <laughs> I don't want him because then he, he ruins Ken's I know. projection. Yeah, just don't do it to me, all right? I won't do it to you. Um, but it is a position of need behind Ken in terms of the running back two. Uh, obviously losing Travis Homer this offseason to the Chicago Bears. Um, but at this moment in time, it's only really DJ Dallas that is backing up Ken Walker. And obviously you've lost Rashad Penny. So th- there is a serious competition for that one-two punch um, and a real need for that one-two punch in Seattle now as the running back position. Um, this is a really interesting class. Um, a really deep class, again, in my opinion, as the running back classes always seem to be, and they always seem to be getting even more deeper every year. Um, the guy that, because that, like I said, for, for all, Bijan is arguably the best player in the draft quality-wise, aside from maybe Jalen Carter or Will Anderson. You know, you can't draft him really as Seattle because you can't have, you can't pay Ken and Bijan in the future, really, um, for how good they're probably going to be. So for me, round two, round three kind of guy, I'm all over Zach Charbonnet out of UCLA for me as that big one-two punch kind of guy. He's a real perfect scheme fit, in my opinion, for Seattle. The perfect complement for Ken. Ken's got that sort of low build, that explosiveness, um, that first down, second down kind of carries. But if you want a real third down workhorse back, he'll get you the short yards, that power back that we needed. Um, sort of, as we've talked about in, in, in this podcast, going back to the days of like a Marshall Lynch and Robert Turbin, um, that elusiveness mixed with the power, those great one-two punches that, that the NFL sort of has, I think, back to the Cleveland Browns with, you know, Nick Chubb and then Kareem Hunt, the little, just the guys and those backfields, you all know them, that, that complement each other so well. I think if you can get Ken Walker and Zach Charbonnet in, in the same backfield, um, I, I, for me, that's about as good as it gets. So Zach Charbonnet is probably at the top of my list in terms of the running backs that I would want to see Seattle pick up. Um, Pez, is there anyone that's really catching your eye at the running back position in this year's class? Um, I'm going to say one what's not what I've spoke about in the Discord and I've always skated over him in mocks not really looked into him um, but I listened, I was listening to one of my podcasts and they, were, they, they mentioned him and started talking about him and it caught my attention a little bit and it's Bijan Robinson's backup Rashawn Johnson that's the one. I was looking at his first name. I was like, I mm-hmm. am going to destroy this. Yeah, and well, he's in my notes as well, so it's a good shout. And it was him and Tarjay uh, Spears, and I know he's mm-hmm. one of your guys. But with him, it's like the, the way they were talking about him, he, he was a quarterback who changed to where, uh, changed to running back when he got to Texas, and then just unfortunately, B. John Robertson came and uh, mm-hmm. just 
ended his opportunity to do anything. But when you you read about him, so like you got to think like it'd be really interesting because then you got Wildcats, what they did try a bit last year. You got a guy who could actually genuinely pull off a decent Wildcat formation and do some like of note. Um, and their comp for him was Chris Carson. Said his running style and the way he is, he's like Chris Carson. The only negative for him, why I think we might pass him over, is his blocking. Mm. Now, we don't have Travis Homer anymore, who is our exclusive, I'll run into your ass, but I'll be able to block someone all day yeah. running back. So, really, my thing with the running backs in this draft is when people are looking at them, they've really got to look at who are the guys who can uh, pass block. Who are the guys who can block? Because we don't have it, and Pete's going to want it back. That's like one of his bread and butter things with his backup running backs is he just needs that one guy, the fo- almost like the fallback running back type. Mm. But yep. I, I reckon, I reckon he'd be a really good number two, really good complement yeah. for how Ken runs because. With Tarjay Spears, it's not bad having two Ken Walkers, really, is it? But he, watching him and reading like reports on him and stuff, he just reminds me of another Ken. Whereas I really feel like what they're going to do this year, now they've like stripped the running back position down, is they're really going to try and find that solid one and two, like you had Marshawn and Turbin. I really think now Pete's got the opportunity, he's really going to find his turban to his marshal. So, like, yeah, so, and you got to remember, Marshall was like a bit like a Ken. He was light mm-hmm. on his feet, power through, mm-hmm. you know, find the gap. Took him a while to get going in a game, but when he built into a game, he was unstoppable. We saw that with Ken a lot. And then you had Robert Turban, who was just a powerhouse. He just come in to like third downs towards the end of the game when defense are tired, and he just uses sheer size and power to just yeah, multiply people. You'd hate to tackle him late in a game, would you'd be yeah. You just don't want to see him coming at you. I agree, and I, I agree actually. Um, t- coming off both of what you know, what both of you have said, um, Rashawn Rashawn Johnson saying saying that you you, you can have two Ken Walkers. I, I kind of agree that having a back that wants the same situation as the other back, like Ken Ken wants you to to part the waves for him with the offensive line so he can get straight into the backfield because his agility and his speed and his skill set will 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 snap the ankles of secondary. Like you you don't want to be stopping um, Ken Walker at full pace in the secondary. Not a chance, because he's going to do you. He's going to he's going to he's going to do one of his jump cuts, turn on the afterburners, and he's going to smoke you. Right? That's what he wants. We couldn't do that for him enough last year, Kenny. So, um, putting someone like Roshan Johnson in, like you said, Pez, someone who wants to go north to south. Right? He wants to hit a quick gap and go. Having two people that want the same situation is not bad. I agree with you. I think that's good. Going off what you said, James, uh, with with uh, Zach Charbonnet. The thing I love about Zach Charbonnet is he is an ascending talent. If you look at his stats in, if you look at him three years ago, he averaged seven yards 
per attempt, right? Receiving and rushing. So he adds that that receiver um, running back element, which we don't currently have. So that combos nicely with with Kenny as well, because it's a back that does something a bit different. You can check down to you can push him through the you know the offensive the uh, the defensive line and then do a check down to him and get some yards after as well. I like that about it. But seven yards per catch two three years ago, eight yards per per attempt the year after nine yards this last year that is a ridiculous stat the guy like catching and and running he's added a yard average each year and i think i think i wrote down on my profile for him i think he said something like three thousand snaps in three years as well like he's he's Mm -hmm. been out there whether it's on special teams or or running or catching he's been just involved in everything so insane production that's ascending so i i like what both of you have said yeah, uh, he's a massive, he's a massive uh, scheme fit as well for me. Um, so I think he'd be a perfect kind of pickup. Takes takes I the need slightly off wide receiver three as well if you've got yeah. a, a back that's getting involved yeah. receiving too. Yeah, I just uh, I just like to say like obviously you said Charbonnet, so I, I, I did wish wanted to say someone different, but mm. he would be my ideal guy. But <laughs> realistically, he isn't getting past the Chargers. I kind of agree. I think Maybe we have not to maneuver, getting, not, we have to is, maneuver around he, the board in order to take him and specifically, I think. He's Austin Eckler. He's Austin Eckler. He is their new Austin Eckler. They can't do a deal. It came out today. They can't do a deal with him, so they're allowing him to seek a trade. A team will take Austin Eckler. Well, luckily, he is the direct replacement. Luckily for you boys, Josh specifically asked me to talk about a running back, and he is actually uh, the guy that I would choose to, to talk about anyway. So this one's for you, Josh. Uh, Dwayne McBride is a guy that's featured in a lot of our mocks. When you look at our mocks, Dwayne McBride pops up sixth round a lot, right? And it looks like people are picking him just because we feel we need to take two backs. Everyone seems to think later on I'll take a, I'll take the extra back because we're going to need one, right? But I think a lot of people don't know the kind of back he is. And I'm going to give you a couple of nuggets here that that might really give you the horn for Dwayne McBride, right? Dwayne McBride is a guy that squats. 260 kilos the guy's got wheels 260 kilos five foot ten 209 pounds right so he's he's bottom heavy right he's got he's got those big wheels he's a power back he is what we what what we had in carson right he pounds the rock powerful guy bench press is 385 as well so nearly a 200 bench so he's got power all round, right um also really good balance between the tackles so you could scheme him up like like um well, like Walker. If Walker's injured or Walker's had a lot of a lot of play, maybe we're in the fourth quarter and and Kenny's done a good job all game. We're seeing out a game, hand the ball to this guy, and you can scheme him the same way. You try you're still trying to part the waves and get him straight up the gut of the opponent into the secondary, pound the pound that middle linebacker that's had an absolute horrid game, right? He's been snapped by by Kenny Walker in the ankles, and this guy's gonna pound him in, you know, he's gonna give him some bruises. So I love that about this guy. I think um, this guy as well. Yeah. So McBride, 3000 snaps in college in two years, mm. two seasons, 3000 snaps. So he's a health. So a really under um, an underrated skill with power backs, a guy that you're basically asking to seek contact is availability. These guys are getting, you know, they're, they're put, they're laying a hit on the, on the secondary all game. But they're also laying a hit on themselves, right? They're, they're taking a chip off themselves every time they do it. So to do that three, you know, to play 3,000 snaps in two years as that kind of back, 
squatting what he does, those athletic abilities, and being available potentially in, the, in you know third, fourth, fifth round. I, I'm not surprised Josh has asked me to mention him. I think he's a really outstanding Seahawky kind of kind of guy. Just going to um, say he, he screams Seahawks. That guy. Mm. Yeah, um, I was just going to say though, because um, does it not worry you that he's had so many snaps? So many you're talking about sort of burn, burnout and yeah because you see it yeah. so many times these running backs get overly utilized in college by the time they come to the nfl the burnout and that's why the whole thing is that especially the, in running backs the running back position isn't valuable yeah. because mm. they just they get burned so like well, how, many times, burnout. how many times do you see a running back drafted that has a quite a quite a good uh productive uh rookie contract but doesn't get that extension because he just he's just seen as a spent force maybe picks up a one-year deal somewhere or two-year prove-it deal somewhere you know but the body's just breaking down i i think you're absolutely right to be concerned about that but i do think that's a far wider issue with running backs than just the ones that are power backs i think they do end up being spent forces because of the job they're asked to do yeah it, it's it, it is such a hard position to evaluate in terms of where do where do you go with it? So, so many people have different opinions. Why you know why don't you just take the best running back? What you know some people prefer to look for value and and like you say, let's tread on the tires, guys who maybe come out the come out of nowhere a little bit. So it is an interesting position in terms of how people evaluate it. Um, but yeah, um, should we get to the receivers? Uh, because well, have you got have you got any sleepers in the running back position? Well, Ty J Spears is obviously one of them. Um, I quite like Deuce Vaughn as well. Maybe not after the combine. I think more people have woken up to him, but I think he's a long-term sleeper of mine, so I'm I'm, I'm sticking with him. Um, but yeah, I, I like him still as a sleeper. I like Tank Big Bigsby because he's like do. a power back. Yeah, yeah, he is. He's just he's just like a he's just what five? Was he five nine, two ten? Just a big burly mm. power. Everything we spoke about really. Um, he's just got. His weaknesses are probably more than a lot of the others, but you should be able to pick him up in a position where you're not really that bothered taking mm. the hit on him. But he would fill that power back role to Ken's. Because uh, what you said before, Mitch, about Sean Johnson being like mm. Ken, I meant that with Tarjay Spears, reminds me a lot like Ken, but Tarjay oh, Spears has the receiving. Mm. Okay. Um, yeah, he's got an extra string to his bow, hasn't he? DJ yeah, yeah. Um, whereas Johnson, he, I think he'd compliment Ken for the differences they bring, a bit like Marshawn and Turbo, that sort of thing. Oh, well, yeah. And Tank Bigby would be that as well. He's like the power guy, he's not got great acceleration, but when he gets his wheels going, he's thinking, How many times did we see? How many times did we see Turbin? But if he gets uses his power through the initial contact for players dragging trying to drag him down because he's such a force. And then another one who are again on the same podcast I found out about Robinson was Israel hmm. someone else. Is he a Banakander? Yeah. 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 I name. liked what I heard about him. As a and he sounds like he will be a later round guy, mm. so he might be one to watch out for. Yeah, he's a tool. He's a toolbox guy. He's got a lot. He adds a lot. You know, you could put him in as a second back, and he's got a bit of everything. I I know what you mean. 
with him. He's just not that. His, his main weakness is his size, and he doesn't really have a frame to put more size on. So it's like, how long until he gets injured, essentially? Yeah, he'll get picked. He, he won't go undrafted purely because oh, of no, what said. 100% I mean, not. Yeah. whatever back you have as your main back, he'll complement because of how diverse he is as a player. I think Abanikanda is um, definitely a he's, good shout He's being projected just on NFL draft buzz, what I just decided to keep as my source of my information because then you get miscued with 20 different sites. But they're projected in the fifth rounder. Yeah. So I think that'll be, he'll be, a I think that'll be perfect. I think he'd be perfect around that. Just fifth, six. Yeah, chuck and I'm, see. I'm going to mention uh, very quickly my my sleeper. It's this is kind of tongue in cheek, so bear with me. For anyone that watched the combine, anyone listening that watched the combine, this guy I've got to mention him. Special mention Evan Hull. I don't know if you guys watched. Do you, do you, James? Do you know what I'm about to say? Um, I have an idea. I think. Yeah. So <laughs> the great anyone, anyone, anyone that didn't see it. Evan Hull, like they were they were running the drills right around what was it like the twenty yard thirty yard line. Every single time he received the ball or ran the ball or ran a drill, he ran it to the to, to the end zone. Just that it was it was like he needed to run off some energy, man. It was ridiculous. He just and you know the guys commenting on the on the the the, um, the combine were laughing about it. He would just run everything to the end zone. It was like he really wanted to stand out uh, and have a point of difference. And it was that enthusiasm, like I'm going to run this, like I'm running the length of the field, um, yeah. you know, from my own twenty. And what was really funny was when the next guy was shaping up to do his drill, the camera just always had Evan Hull just coming back, absolutely gassed, just walking back. <laughs> Yeah. It was ama- it was amazing reckon, to see. Do you reckon that is just because he un- he understands this position and he knows that he's very he's going to be lucky to get drafted. I think so. He's trying to show out as much as he can. Like, I think it's just a really competitive group. There's so much talent in there. If you're not the guy that's going to run the quickest, you're not the guy that's going to, you know, if you're not going to look in like you're in the top ten percentile. At, at, at everything you need to find that point of difference and i think he just thought Do you know what? the cameras are on me i'm going to show that i have uh this this energy and this enthusiasm and i'm just gonna you know I'm, people are going to remember my combine even if it isn't for being the fastest the strongest the quickest i'm just going to have the most juice yeah yeah like, like, a, like, like a job interview isn't it like of course it is yeah yeah, yeah. CV's not the best, but like, he's gonna he's gonna show up. Good character. Yeah, he's I can, I can root for those guys. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like it. Um, well, let's get to the receivers then, because there's a guy that I don't know if if, if you follow me on TikTok, or if you don't follow me, follow this podcast on uh, on TikTok. You'd have seen that this was one of my draft guys that I was looking at in the combine, um, and that is none other than Josh Downs out of North Carolina. I love Josh Downs. I don't understand why he isn't being talked about. Um, as an absolute lock-in as a first-round pick for me should be. Um, he's had fairly poor quarterback play in North Carolina with Sam Howell, and then I can't even think of the guy's name who was there last year. Um, but he's just he, he elevates that play so but so much. Um, and with the stats that he's kind of put up with those kind of quarterbacks is is just ridiculous. I think he he had the third most or third highest. Um, like content, contested catch per, percentage from last season and, and across of all college football and and Josh Downs is like five nine I think he is yeah five nine um he, he's just I think the only 
the last thing we need in this sort of passing attack for the Seahawks is a true slot receiver. The D. Eskridge experiment hasn't worked. Obviously, Marquise Goodwin isn't here now. Um, so we need that true slot receiver to take the burden off DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. And I think I, I, I put forward an argument that Josh Downs is maybe the best slot receiver in this class, in my opinion, um, maybe outside of a Jackson Smith and Jigba. Um, I think if you don't want to burn a first round pick on in Jigba, or he's already gone by 20, I think if you want the next best, I think I, I'm going to put him above um, the, the likes of Isaiah Flowers. I think his so many times, and I said it in that TikTok that, when he gets drafted, they will throw up a Tyler Lockett comparison um, as like a as like a, a perfect evaluation for Josh Downs, and I, I think Josh Downs has the potential to be as good as Tyler Lockett. So basically, the the best way I summarise this to people is: there's a Tyler Lockett here, and would we all be happy taking a Tyler Lockett in round one or round two? Absolutely, we would. And and I think this guy is Tyler Lockett all over. Um, He's not a great blocker, but look, he's 5'9", he's a slot receiver. I'm not going to ask him to block that much. Um, but I love Josh Downs. I think he's excellent. And he's uh, he's, he's the mix of all three of that favourite player, scheme fit and a sleeper. Um, he ticks all those boxes for me. So I would be over the moon if the Seahawks pick this guy up on draft night. Um, Pez, what do you think? Uh, for me, it's a bit obvious. But if we... At 20, so if we didn't trade back and we got, or do you know what? Even if we traded back from five, and I know the D line and the linemen are like a major importance and everyone talking, but as like we speak in the Discord, there's so much depth on the D line. Like it's ridiculous this year. So why not just find, for me, I just want them to look at it and go, We've got DK, we've got Tyler, let's find our true slot guy. If we manage to get Jackson Smith and Jigba, if we traded back from five to the teens, because I think that depending on the way it shakes up, I think the Titans are going to get aggressive nearer to the draft to try and get a quarterback. And if we truly don't want one and we trade back there, I take him there because he is just filthy as a player. Like, in the slot, he... Like, Gino is not scared of throwing over the middle of the field. Why do you not get an extremely talented guy who can play that position really well to help Gino out more? Like, when not talking about any other position, just the wide receivers, I, I would want him in that first round, and I wouldn't even be angry. And I wind everyone up who was angry about it because I think it would be sensational. Could you imagine him, DK and Tyler all together? The tight ends might as well just have the game off. Just block. You guys just block. (laughs) Them three would destroy things. Like they would seriously destroy teams. They'd tear them to pieces because they'd shit themselves all game about the slot. And then DK would just go to town on them deep. Like limited route tree on DK, whatever you want to say about him, he'll destroy everyone with that limited route tree. Yeah, pretty limited, a thousand yards. So it's it's limited though, isn't it? Um, yeah, very yeah. very limited. Yeah, Mitch, what do you think on this receiver group? Is there anyone you like in here? Uh, I like I like uh, Njigba a lot. So I probably would have talked about Njigba if if Pez hadn't. Um, I do really like what he's done. 
one thing I will say, um, Pez mentioned that it would be really good for Gino. I couldn't agree more. Like we mentioned it early on, um, that Gino gets in a decent rhythm and does lots of check downs and 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 gets like that rhythm going and keeps the the chains moving. He's quite good at it and high percentage of of accuracy. And Jigba gets open like he could find a yard in a phone box. Like the guy is unreal in those tight spaces. He'll give Gino that option. He'll know that Gino's going to get free. He knows that DK is going to be winning his battle one on one, um, you know, and you know, you know that that um, Lockett is going to, you know, be that deep threat and, you know, give him give, you know, give him a bit of protection and they'll be that will be on too. And Jigba in the middle opens a lot of doors. So I, I completely I love what Pez said. And I couldn't agree more. Um, because you've done that, Pez, thanks for that. Uh, I'm going to talk about booting. Everyone's favorite. Everyone's favorite subject booting. Um so Keishon, Keishon Booty has been a guy that was like projected top 10, right? And it was thought that he wasn't going to um, declare for this draft. And he immediately went top three on next year's draft board. So he went top 10. He didn't. He said he wasn't going to declare. Then he decided to declare this year, immediately ripped off that board and put back on this one. But was put back in like he's projected third round, I think. If you've seen the guy in open field, the yards after the catch threat that we looked for last year uh, with Dwayne Eskridge, right? We draft not yes, last year, sorry, a year before. Um, we took a guy in the second round to give us a yards after catch, a jet sweep guy, you know, a, a slippery eel um, sort of wide receiver in the open field. Booty is exactly that. That guy frightens people when when they're one on one, not because of physicality, not you know, he 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 just has he's got all the moves. He's got all the moves and he is just unbelievable. Um, hard to stop. That that guy's really slippery. And so I love I love that about him. I think that would be a good option. Interesting. He's, he is, like you say, he's quite a polarizing pick booty because I think nobody doubts the talent that he's got. It's just can you stay fit? The kind of character concerns <laughs> a little bit with Booty there as well. Um but again, maybe a bit of a reclamation project for the Seahawks that Pete yep. Carroll always loves. Um, I think for me, my my main to, to to transition onto the sleepers here for the receiver, for me, it's Charlie Jones out of Purdue. I love Charlie Jones. Um, I think he is just such a quarterback-friendly receiver. Um, his, his quarterback rate when targeted is well over 100. I think it's about 110 consistently throughout his career. Um, put up a stat 1,360 yards or something in Purdue last year. Um, again, such an elite slot receiver that uh, just a perfect guy, perfect sort of consolation prize if it, and Jigbert passes us by if a Tyler if um not Tyler Scott although Tyler Scott wouldn't be bad either um but if Isaiah Flowers or a Josh Downs or any one of those top sort of three to five slot guys go before we can get our hands on them um I think Charlie Jones is probably going to be there between the fifth and seventh rounds I don't think he'll go undrafted um so if we do trade back in the draft and, and accumulate uh, say two or three more day three picks um I would love to see us use one of them on Charlie Jones because I think he would be um, like I said, I just he's such a quarterback-friendly receiver for me, and um, I, I think he's he's a, a, about as good a consolation prize as a slot receiver in this class. Um, so that's my main sleeper um, slash scheme fit for the Seahawks as well. I don't know if any of you lads have got any sleepers at the receiver position that you want to talk about. Yeah, uh, I I like Jonathan Mingle. God damn it, we need to start letting me go but, before Pez. I'm going to talk about a guy who I've followed on Instagram 
weird. I followed on Instagram since he was in high school. Um, a bit creepy. Rakeem Jarrett from Maryland. Oh, good. Okay. And okay. his he basically he like reading reports on him and stuff like that is he would be he could turn into an excellent slot guy. So I'm just looking at the theory of, in my head, I'm like, we really need to sort the wide receiver three predominantly being a top-level slot player. Mm. Like Tyler and DK are off threats outside. You've got um, Dorit Young, who at the back end of the year started getting a bit more trust from Gino, started showing, like, like we talked about on the pod, where he destroyed Jalen Ramsey on that route, but just never got the look in would have been wide open touchdown and everyone would be like, who's this guy? So that's like showing what he can do on the outside. So I really think we need to target essentially slot slot wide receivers who also can play outside, but predominantly who are comfortable short to middle. And that's what he does really well. And the only real negatives on him is he's, he's um, measurables, really, his arms. And things like that. But Gino, most accurate quarterback in the league last year, if you're going to pair him up with anyone, and he's like sixth round, some have got him going undrafted, some have got him sixth, seventh round, perfect place for a guy who could get a serious steal. And again, like I've repeated it so many times, there's so many gems in these mid to late rounds. It's unbelievable. Just yeah. like Ronnie Bell. Ronnie Bell's another one. Ronnie yeah, Bell Ronnie, from Michigan. Ronnie Bell's exciting. He 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 was at like their lead receiver and he just passed over. Just passed over and discarded. Like baffles me. I like uh, Mitch talk about. <laughs> yeah, the surprise everyone. I'm going to talk about Jonathan Mingo. Um, <laughs> Jonathan Mingo, I really like. He's comped a lot to Debo Samuel, right? Physically um, comped a lot to Debo Samuel, and. One of the things I really like about it, he's, he's criticised, right? I'll give, I'll give you the negatives first, right? The negatives are um, staying healthy. He broke his foot in 2021, had a few injury issues afterwards, didn't have a consistent time in in college with 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 fitness. So that's why that's mainly why he's a sleeper. Loads of talent needs to needs to fix the you know the the health. Um, without without those concerns, I think he's a round two guy. Um, so like I say, comped to Debo Samuel. And one of the things that's regularly mentioned by scouts is that he's in complete control of defensive backs. He dictates to them where they're going to be, how they're going to try and stop him. And then he beats them with size. He's got that DK Metcalf bigger, you know, I'm just bigger than you deal with me kind of, um, air about him, which I love. Um, and he's incredibly smooth. If you watch him, it's like if you wanted to show a video to, to a big guy who wanted to be a, a wide receiver, you'd go, look at how this guy moves. He is silk for a big guy. He is absolute silk. Um, great to watch. Needs to fix the health. Um, if he sorts that, unbelievable. Unbelievable. Jonathan Mingo. I'd just like to chuck him one more, just like as a little one to note. Um, Trey Palmer from yep. Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Like, you go on NFL draft boards and you look at, like, 
his scores, except for his hands, they're all 70 plus in percentage. Yeah. Like you got to take note of that. Projected the fifth round again. And then you look at the grades he's getting, ESPN 4, 24-7 sports for rivals.com five. Again, like it's just and then you, the weaknesses all essentially his his main weak weakness to not make him like a third rounder is his concentration. He's he's doesn't work as hard to get separated. Like he's a bit too cocksure of his ability, so he'll stay like covered and just be like, well, I'm just going to beat you because I'm better than you kind of thing. What will not go down well in the NFL? And two, he gets a lot of drops because of complacency. But they're things that get him into a decent program, like Seattle. You you just train them out of him in an off-season. They're gone. And then mm. you're laughing. You're fucking laughing your tits off with a player with that ability, with the potential and the ability that he's already shown in college. But... It's just like fifth round. It's like he it could be an absolute diamond in the rough. I like it. I like it. Um, let's get to the tight ends. For me, again, I, I, I do love Darnell Washington because of the size, the freaky size. I think he's, I think, again, Pete and John will absolutely drool over him. I'm, I'm sure every other GM in the league That's is. He's a great blocker. He's a great blocker as well. Um, but I think the one that, I think that we'll go for because I do think we will take a tight end in this class because obviously the, the tight end situation is fairly precarious long term with you know contracts coming to an end for Disley. Um, you know, Noah Fant's gonna want to be paid at the end of this season as well. Colby Parkinson, do you keep him around? Do you extend him? I don't know. Um so it's a little bit of a precarious position and we know it's such a, a focus point of our offense now with this new 13 personnel that Shane Waldron's introducing. Um and I think the guy that would maybe fit that the best in terms of outside of the top prospects like a Michael Mayer and Darnell Washington, I think if you want to find one further down the draft board, I think Luke Schoonmaker is a good shout as a bit of a sleeper, a bit of a late pick out of um, out of Michigan. I think didn't play. I, th- I still think he played about eleven games last year for Michigan, but he doesn't. His his, his stats don't jump off the the, the the sort of page at you. I think he only had about four hundred eighty six receiving yards last year, but he's just the ultimate possession sort of is such a jack of all trades kind of really sort of high floor um, I think it's going to be a really solid tight end in the NFL going forward I think he's got a nice mix of being able to if you want to ask him to go deep he can run deep routes if you want to just you know make him a, a blocker he's quite a good blocker as well I think he's one of the better blocking tight ends in the league um in well in this draft class anyway um and I think he's, he's really good in the short game as well so I just think he's he's a perfect sort of you can ask and line Schoonmaker up to do anything you want him to do and he'll be able to do it. And I think I think Waldron will be definitely championing for another tight end pick in this draft. And I think if they don't want to go for one of the top guys, if they don't want to in a first or second round pick on one of the top guys, they want to maybe go fourth round, fifth round again, day three, find a guy they like. I think Schoonmaker might fit the profile for them. Um, I don't know what you guys think on the tight end group this year. It's, a, it, it, it's quite a deep one, I think. Uh, for me... I've not really looked at him because I just hate how we use them. Like, you just look at Colby Parkinson and you think last year he started getting used a bit more in the passing game and things like that, like actually using a man of that stature to what you could potentially do it and instead of just Pete's philosophy of tight ends can block. 
mm. like the Jimmy Graham, like you pay Jimmy Graham all that money and he just blocks and he's like, I want to leave. Oh, no, no, I'll let you, I'll let you catch passes more. And then he starts going off. It's like, fuck off, man. But so mine's like a sleeper deep down, not really looked at him, don't really care. Uh, can I say it right? Josh Wiley from Cincinnati. Yeah. I like him. I like what I read. Big Good. guy. Good. Needs to get better with tracking the ball. Probably needs to put more size on. A bit like Kobe, really. Needs to put a bit more size on. But he's 40. His 40 time was 72% out. His 10-yard speed, 72 again. Like... He's got he's got speed there. He made. He's an above Swiss. average athlete, isn't he? He's above average yeah. and and good value. I think, yeah, for sure. So so he 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 his, his weaknesses are his blocking, but I think that will just that he loves his physicality. So if a player loves getting physical, put some size on him, and he'll start being able to handle himself a lot better on the line with technique training, and all 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 that jazz jazz, but. For me, really, like, Schoonmaker, I did like him. But I just, I've got no interest in Donald Washington, in <laughs> Kincaid, in Musgrave, in Kraft, any of them high-end guys. If I see a tight end in the top three rounds, four rounds, I will just, I will lose my shit. We don't use them correctly. Until Pete just decides to let Waldron... Scheme his tight ends the way he wants them to be schemed. I have no interest in any tight ends at a high relative pick. Is there anyone that you have any interest in, in, in Mitch that'll piss Pez off? Yeah, I mean, uh, no, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna piss off Pez. Um, he might actually quite like this pick. And I'm sorry, I chose of all the wide receivers, I chose to talk about Booty. Um, from the tight ends, I'm going to talk about Cunts. Um. And, and I swear this is a real player. He's not the guy you put on your on your Seahawks, Seahawks jersey, right? But I would. <laughs> just the kind 100%. of guy you want. Zach Kuntz, Zach right? Six foot seven, tight end. Really, really good release valve kind of um, tight end, right? We don't, as Pez says, we don't scheme currently well for receiving tight ends. They're in there as blockers. They occasionally get to run a wheel route or, you know, they they, they get occasionally involved. I do believe that Waldron wants more um, tight end play. He did loads of it, um, you know, previously with um, the Rams, right? Um He's not done so much of it with us. I feel, I feel like with the right personnel, he he could do more. Um, but but this guy, whose name I won't say again, because I've already said that word too many times uh, for this family-friendly podcast. Um, six foot seven guy, right? Reasonable hands, really good on immediate sort of crossing routes. Fits really well with what Gino does. Uh, lots of checkdowns, quick throws, high percentage um, accuracy throws. Easy catches, you know, gain four, gain five, the occasional snap off 12. Big bodied guy, right? Um, he's just not quick. <laughs> he doesn't look quick. It looks like he's running in sand. Uh, really slow guy, very similar to Colby Parkinson. So we got an MO with, with drafting guys like this, right? Um, but what, what I do like is if we really are going to get serious about um, screening for. Um, for K9, for, for K9, you know, Kenny Walker, if we are going to get serious about it, having really good 
big blockers at tight end, getting him out wide, getting him one on one, you know, with with guys that aren't going to stop him. Guy like that in there is a great scheme fit. I like it. I I I, I do like Kuntz as well. I think that that's an interesting sentence. Um, I don't think I'll be saying that tonight. Um, <laughs> this is this is exactly as I planned this to go. Yeah. Oh, this is such a it's such a beauty name. There's such a oh, you get caught red-handed saying this guy. You know what? You can say so, Kuntz as much as you want and get away with it now. It was a freebie that I didn't pass up. Thanks, guys. Oh, well, I'm sure Victoria's Secret will, will, will start <laughs> start the sponsorship. You know what we've, I mean? We've well, made it, boys. We've made it. Yeah, there we go. Um, but yeah, no, I like him. Um, I think, again, a nice little scheme fit for us. And um, like I said, I, think, I don't think we'll take one of the big names. I do think we'll, we'll pick up a guy maybe in day three. So I think he's one to watch in that in that aspect as well. Um, offensive line-wise, I mean, I'll, I'll just fire a name out there straight away that makes far too much sense. Osiris Torrance. I think he's the... Far and away, best guard in the draft. Plays pretty much exclusively at right guard. Um, I think he has the potential to be an elite guard in the NFL for pretty much the entirety of his career. And because we all hate, you know, just revolving doors at, at offensive guard here in Seattle, or I should just say we love him because we do a great job of hiring them. Um, but we've got rid of, uh, of Gabe Jackson now. And I think if you plug Osiris Torrance in there, um, that is you are really building a really scary young offensive line. And uh, I think I'd, I'd be more than happy for us to take that 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 20th pick on Osiris Torrance for me if he's there. I think that would make a lot of sense. Um, I'll start with Mitch because, you know, you, you keep stealing this guy's pez. Um, no, yeah, no, no, you, he isn't going to steal this guy. So <laughs> I'm going to stick with my philosophy on I don't know much about the all line. So I'm not going to pretend like I'm just going to start talking about them. I've read about a few of them and thinking, he sounds good. Don't have a fucking clue. But I've got one for you, right? Proper curveball. So I listen to, I don't know if you two listen to podcasts, but I listen to Bussing with the Boys. And they went to Ohio State recently. And they sat down with the head coach and they sat down with... Let me get his name, Paris Johnson Jr. Now, are we all ready to trade back from five and pick Paris Johnson Jr. with our first pick in the first round? Do you reckon it's possible? No. See, I never no. thought of that. I never thought of that. But when I listened to him talk, and I didn't realise that he used to play guard, and then because he, he was so good, they moved him to tackle. Mm. But he openly said he's he is interviewed with all 32 teams and he would be happy to play guard in the NFL. There's a few prospects like that. That got me thinking, but I don't think there's any prospects like him. And that got me thinking, for the life of me, if there's one coach in this league who would go proper left field and confuse the fuck out of everyone would be Pete Carroll sitting yeah. down with him going, see, you might well know we have our two tackles, but are you willing to play guard? Because I really like you and the potential you have as a player. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course I'll play guard. Right, okay, okay. I love the angle. I also think it's good to have somewhat, you know, people in your offensive line that can multi-spot like that as cover. And and Mitch, let's not forget Pete 
in his revolving door of old linemen, loves a guy, i.e. the guy we just signed from the Lions who can play guard and centre, he loves a guy who can multitask on the line. Yeah, I agree. I do agree. Just saying. And, I don't, like I don't said, think we'll do there it. There is a well, yeah. we, we won't, we won't, but it's positive Pez's hot take. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, 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 I love what you're saying, and I do think that having picking a guy um, in the for the O-line that can do multiple positions is really important, because I do think we've got a framework there. Um, I don't really like, I don't really like... Um, the quality level of the middle of our line but i do feel like there's a framework there so adding a guy with potential with with good measurables um that can cover multiple spots i think it's a great way for him to get snaps this year without disrupting the line too much and if he improves it keep him in there absolutely so i, I like i like the, the the concept i just don't think that that much draft capital will be spent on that spot oh but. It's not. It's definitely, definitely not going to happen <laughs> at all. But no. I just want it to be awkward. I want to. Could you imagine Charles Cross sitting there with his family watching the draft back at home? <laughs> all of a sudden, yeah, pick number he, five, Paris. What he must think? What the fucking hell have I done wrong here? Um, so I hope for his sake and his ass would fall out at that point. So I hope we don't take Paris Johnson and do that because you, I think Cody Munch, wouldn't you? Munch, eh? Munch, Munch. Yeah, well, Cody Munch. Yeah. yeah. That's he he sounds like the most realistic guy we jump at in an earlier round. Who can, he's very versatile. Who can play centre guard, tackle, senior ball guy. That's yeah. that's that is that is as much as I'm going to expand on that. Good. Um, yeah, for, like I say, for me, I think Osiris Torrance at guard makes too much sense. And then if you can get John Michael Schmitz in the second round and put all of a sudden, could you imagine that? Charles Cross on the left, Lucas on the right, Sorens at right guard, Evan Brown at centre or John or John Michael Schmitz. Then you've got Damian Lewis or Evan Brown. You can shift to left guard. I mean, all of a sudden. I mean, what, what an all-line that is. Unbelievable. Yeah. So that that's my dream situation for me on, on the offensive line. Um Mitch, is there anyone standing out for you that we, I mean, you can mention any of the guys we mentioned. Is there any sleepers in there that you like the look of? Uh, yeah, there is a guy um, in terms of sleeping, uh, Oluwatomi, um, Olesagun Oluwatomi from Michigan. Uh, that is an absolute mouthful that I think that I nailed. Yeah. I think you I nailed it, it though. Yeah, you nailed it. Practice that. Um, so this guy is a guy we've interviewed twice, right? He's projected, mm-hmm. he's projected to be fourth, fifth round plays almost exclusively center i think i think he may have had some snaps at guard but he is mostly a center and i get the feeling from all the reports like we're high on on schmitz but mm-hmm. that is a guy that everyone is high on so i think if schmitz falls to us he's he you know he's our pick he's just an outstanding prospect really strong in the run game which we really want to see for ken but mm-hmm. also decent pass blocking grades there so schmitz is the is the is the the a star pick right if he falls to us at good value but Olawatomi is the guy that i think is their plan b they're going to say okay schmitz is gone plan b is Olawatomi late that is great value for us can learn behind brown potentially could take over as a starter halfway through the year and we can slide Brown to guard. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think Oluwatomi is our value. So for me, he's the sleeper. I think um, they've done a lot of scouting with him. They've spoken to him a lot. I think they really like his character. The thing about Oluwatomi, the guy is an absolute giant in terms of his his weight and size. Six foot two, three, three ten, right? Mm-hmm. He's the nose guard of centers. He's an immovable object, right? And his best grades come from uh, run blocking. He gets like 90, 90 plus run, run blocking grades. 
so I think um, that's a guy that we could definitely take late for good value. Olawatomi. I like it. I like it. Like I say it's a really good point that you know we have met with him twice now. So obviously they they, they see something in him that they like. Obviously coming from a big school, Michigan. Um, obviously got a lot of talent there potentially that's maybe going a little bit overlooked with with like with you know John Michael Schmitz and there's there's a few guys at centre that aren't getting a a, a great look at. Uh, I know there's a guy from Wisconsin. I think uh, Ricky Stromberg at Arkansas is another good name. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's maybe a bit of a deeper centre class than people are giving credit for. And I think some people are thinking it's game over if we can't get John Michael Schmitz at centre. Maybe it's maybe it's not. Maybe there's, you know, there's some good prospects that we could potentially get yeah. there um, as consolation prizes as well. Whipler and Tipman as well deserve a shout out there. Those are really yeah. good value in the third, I think. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I, I would totally agree. Pez, is, is there anyone sleepers-wise that you think on the offensive line or are you completely done with them? You don't... Nope. Right, so that's been the offence then. Um, we're just going to talk about the offence tonight because there is so many prospects and so many talking points to talk about, especially when Mr Rabbit Holes himself pays is on the podcast. Um, so it, it's it's we, we thought, you know, we're not just going to limit this one podcast to try and fit in everything in, defence, offence. We're going to give you separate podcasts, more content to fill the void during the weeks as you just wait and sit and twiddle your thumbs ahead of draft night uh we're going to sort you out with even more content coming in the next few weeks so offense tonight we've gone over some of the main offensive players that we think have a have a good chance that seattle will draft some of our favorite guys some of our sleepers um and then like i say next week we're going to hit the defensive side of the ball where i'm sure there's going to be some very interesting opinions on the likes of Jalen carter will anderson um yeah, there's some very polarising names on this defensive side of the ball that's being talked about in the Seahawks world at this moment in time. So that'll be some fun conversations, definitely. Uh, hopefully we'll have Josh back as well. Uh, so he'll talk about his sleeper, if you don't already know. For I would say about 50% of the podcast, you can probably rely on Josh mm-hmm. talking about a certain guy from a small school um, somewhere um, in the United States of America. That's as much as you're getting so far because Josh won't want me to spoil it. Um, so please do tune in for that again next week. Um, but hey, as always, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, anywhere you get your social medias. We will be on there. Just search We Talk Seahawks. Um, and as always, a big thank you to my right hand men, Pez, and tonight Mitch as well. Uh, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. You've been excellent. Lots of lots of good insight and stats from you, um, and lots of good takes. And, and like I say, once again, a massive thanks for that big draft board. Uh, we're going to get you on again next week, and even more so um, over the next few weeks uh, as our little resident draft expert. Um, but I hope you've enjoyed tonight in your first little We Talk Seahawks podcast outing, and uh, and we look forward to talking with you again next week. Loved it. Thanks for having me, guys. Oh, no problem at all, mate. Um, and to all of our listeners as well, thanks, for, as always, for tuning in. We love you all. Um, and it's a big old Go Hawks from me. Go Hawks. Go Hawks.